0: Welcome to the tree Center Homestead Podcast, where we'll discuss all facets of running and operating a tree This podcast is intended to be your go-to source of information as we answer all your rabbitry questions and more. And now, from Bath, Michigan, your host, Bobby Jimenez. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Rapture Center podcast. Uh, going to do a show on recapping for all the information and videos that we added this month and also answer some questions on some previous podcasts. Right now, with the new year, we're working on taxes and expenses, and, and, uh, we're still, we, we don't do quarterly taxes. We do, you know, once a year. You know, there's, there's different. Things you can do based on the size of your business, and and um, we're working on a video that will will help you with your investment opportunities and and just your taxes and keeping things organized with your expense sheet. And uh, we're adding that to the the full course this year in two thousand twenty four. We're working on our beekeeping side of our rabbitry center business. You know, for those of you who don't know, we raise New Zealand rabbits here, but we also raise. Honeybees, Italian bees, and and just over the years they've kind of turned into mutts because we catch a lot of feral hives, a lot of wild hives, and we, you know, we breed them. And it's very interesting having um, raw honey and chemical-free white meat. And we're also avid deer hunters. Everybody in the family goes out and tries to harvest some uh, venison, you know, that's our red meat. And then our rabbits are white meat. And then we have our raw honey. I mean, this stuff is all chemical free. Honey has lots of benefits, health benefits, and, um, it's actually, you know, considered a super food because it's good inside the body on the exterior of the body, the skin. And it's just amazing. All the benefits, the, the list of honey benefits of raw honey is a, is just a page long. But, so that's what we're going to be working on for our next chapter of courses. And in our courses, um, you know, it's an organized curriculum. So if you like our channel, I mean, this is, this is kind of like a YouTube channel on steroids. You pay a one-time fee. It's kind of like our elite membership and you can, you know, dive into a, a subject or a lesson and just watch lots of videos for, you know, an hour or so. And really just, fill your head with knowledge. Anytime you're investing in your education or knowledge, you're going to go farther faster. So, but not everybody, you know, is in the position to do that or ready to do that. And I completely understand it. It'll be there for you when, when you want it, when you're ready. So you can find that on therabbagecenter.com. A lot of people don't, you know, know what they can do as far as like opening up 401ks and IRAs for, for a small business. Once they do get their, their tax number, their ID through, uh, through an LLC. So, that's that's what we're working on for that, and uh, it's just that time of year. So, but wanted to answer a couple questions as far as uh, some folks heard me say uh, about we were talking about cecotropes in a previous podcast, and I said that um, you know cecotropes are the two kinds of fecal matter. I didn't mean to say that I misspoke. It's one of the two kinds. So you got cold manure, and then cecotropes is the uh, what rabbits produce to digest vitamins and, and minerals second time around. They also deposit them in nesting boxes for their baby rabbits so they can help inoculate their stomach. And then uh, another question I wanted to address was uh, we ta- we were talking about tractors in the previous podcast and Rusty asked, um, you know, what else do you put in the tractors for food? And they they don't really need anything. I mean, they I add hay and maybe some branches from, from some fodder trees, but you know, when they're eating the pellet, and I went on and on about pellet, so I kind of confuse people. And the pellet, and mama's milk, and hay, and fresh water—I mean, this is help. This is helping these rabbits with nutrition, and it's really building them uh, a terrific immune system. And you know, especially with mama's milk, and they really—they're—they're they're almost like bulletproof when they finally get into that tractor. Um, and you've been introducing them gradually with these greens, they're ready to go. So for the last month, if you're, you know, just feeding your families and uh, you're not, you don't have to worry about selling these rabbits, you know, they may have some minor issues, but when you're processing them at three months, that last month they're, they're eating for free, which is terrific because right around eight weeks, you know, at two months, that's when they're going to start eating at a rapid pace. So that's a great time to move them out to tractors. But in that podcast, if you haven't heard it, uh, be sure to check it out because we talk about some of the reasons why you wouldn't entertain tractors. Um, you know, there are certain people that, you know, you wouldn't want to do that. So. so we were able to add four videos to our YouTube channel last month, and I try to at least add one a week, and then we're doing podcasts too, and I'm starting to work on the bees and treating the bees with this warmer weather, and we're starting to do a little bit more breeding, we're starting to do uh, a little bit more beekeeping with the temperatures uh, getting a little bit warmer. We're not getting into the bees, but we're actually um, inspecting them and trying to figure out which hives through With these warm ups, When they're flying, we can find out which hives have expired and we can get in and try to pull some honey and uh, start harvesting that, get, try to get ahead of things. But right now, really busy, and but we're still trying to add a video a week to our YouTube channel and just wanted to go over some of the information we added and kind of give you a, like a compact version of what we went over. So the first video that we added in January was over small breeds and giant breeds. And, you know, some folks want to entertain um, breeding small breeds because they want to specialize in in selling pets or maybe they just want to, um, you know, have smaller rabbitry hutches because small breeds, they really just, you know, they don't take as much space. Um, You can actually breed them a little bit faster, right around five months, and they don't eat as much. So this is a, a good option, at least a, as far as economically for, you know, a lot of folks out there and some folks just enjoy cute little rabbits. Some of the small breed rabbits that we mentioned in that video, and there's more, but we just went over kind of like the the best of the best, which was Florida whites. And that's that, you know, you're typically, it looks like a white New Zealand. It's a big chunk of, well, I couldn't say big, but it's a small chunk of meat right around five pounds. These rabbits run, and uh, they grow out really fast though compared to medium or large breeds. So there's, it's surprising when you do harvest them, the size that they are, you'll get a couple pounds of meat. But, and plus you're not putting very much pellet in them. Um, Dutch rabbits, these Dutch rabbits are the ones that have, they look like they are half and half, like they almost have pants on. Um, the mini Rexes, you know, the Rex with the Rex fur uh mini laps with the uh, the puppy dog ears and then tans where they have the red or orange bottom with the black top and then havana's which are that has that silky fur uh these are the ones that we mentioned that were like the the best i'm trying to remember if i mentioned anything else in that video but then we went into giant breeds and we talked about how you know flemish and giant chinchillas and checkered and checkered kind of has that that belly um that arch and then the giant chinchilla it just you know, the kind of like the mid-sized giant, right around 13 to 14 pounds. The checkers are a little a pound or two lighter, right? Average around 12 pounds, basically a big, a big New Zealand where they top out. And then the Flemish, which is the biggest, the 15 pounder, sometimes even even bigger, depending on what you're feeding it. But you know, we just talked about, you know, the the strengths and weaknesses of raising small breeds and giant breeds. And, you know, just to recap why you would go with giant breeds is because they're they're gentle giants. So there's four kinds of rabbit sizes. There's dwarf, small, medium and giant and these giant rabbits, you know, they're just humongous cuddly rabbits and you know, being so big, it's a little bit easier to have around your dog or your cat, you know, as long as you're bonding these these rabbits with your dog and cat. And you know, they'll play. They'll play with your other animals, they'll they'll sleep with the other animals. They'll even swim, believe it or not, with your your other animals. And um, but the only problem is when it comes to breeding giant rabbits, you know, medium rabbits are considered the best because of the the litter size and the and the target grow are the target breeding and um you know just the consistent litters and and when it comes to Flemish or chinchilla giant chinchilla or checkered, I mean, you if they take longer to grow out, they eat a lot more, they take a lot more space, and you can't breed them until, you know, it's not recommended until about seven months is when their, their instincts really start to kick in where you can, you know, expect them to take good care of their litters. So things are, things are different, you know, depending on what breed of rabbit that you raise. And for, you know, we're all raising rabbits for different reasons. And so it just depends on what you want or what your goals are. So we also added a video, uh, regarding genotypes and how you can breed red rabbits with blue rabbits and I result in, agouti rabbits. And, you know, I had someone comment on a video about, you know, New Zealand's and broken genes and how they've never experienced any broken rabbits. And, you know, if I were to, if I were to compete in shows and, uh, you know, a lot of folks love doing that. um, The reason I don't is just because I'm so busy on the property, you know, running the rabbits and the rabbit business and the apiary business, and then, you know, getting our food plots ready in the spring and summer and you know, I really enjoy that, and, and I don't really have much time for for other things. Maybe one day, because we're we're getting bigger and bigger, and you know, maybe I'll we'll take on more interns um, at some point, and I can free up some time. But you know, when you hang out at rabbit shows and go to those, you can network. You can meet a lot of good people that really know their stuff. I mean, I've always when when folks purchase rabbits from us to to show, there's all different kinds of people that compete in rabbit shows. So some know more than than others but that's a terrific way to to see a lot of different breeds of rabbits and and just talk to to people that enjoy rabbits and and genetics and you know i can't tell you exactly the what this gentleman asked me was you know how is it that new zealand's come about with with the broken gene and because the arba and new zealand breeds recognize black blue red white and broken you know as far as like a broken gene It's a dominant gene. It's a it's in the secondary genetics. So you basically have A through E series, and we go over that. We have a couple of videos I'll include down in the description of this podcast. But and we go into more detail on the full course. We have, I think, six genetic videos on the full course. But you know, I can't exactly explain the science of it, but I'll I'll share what how we came about our broken rabbits. Because I've never purchased a broken rabbit, I just found one in a litter after breeding. And so we started years ago with um, black—I'm sorry—blue rabbits, white rabbits, and red rabbits. We got a nagudi rabbit through breeding through blue and red, and that's what this video was on. And when you breed, you know, blue rabbits with blue rabbits and red rabbits with red rabbits, you can get more consistent results, richer colors, and you can stack the alleles, homozygosity, where your offspring. Well, your your chances of you know getting what you want will be more consistent. But when you start to mix colors, that's when these color mutations happen, and these recessive genes as well as dominant genes have a ch- chance to to show. Where maybe recessive genes were canceling out the dominant, and you're able to see more more colors and more options. Now, in most cases, it's not recommended because when you're selling blue rabbits, people expect to bleed that breed that blue rabbit with the blue rabbit and get more blue rabbits. So if that rabbit has, you know, hidden genetics where um, it could match with another recessive rabbit or it could, it could match with another rabbit that has recessive genes and or dominant genes, they won't get the results that they intended. So it really just depends on the person if they're, you know, a show person or if they're just breeding for meat, it doesn't, you know, it's always going to be different. But that's when we started to see our broken rabbits, when when our recessive genes were being canceled out by breeding, um, you know, a non-blue rabbit with the blue rabbit. Um, that blue rabbit, that dilute gene, wasn't able to, you know, dilute the black or, you know, that's, that's just how things happen. So the, the mutations, through the color mutations and the mixing, you'll get different results. So that's how we, that's when we started to see our broken rabbits it was really interesting and you know over the years it was it was really fun to to see that and mix them up and learn um but you know we're at the point now where we stopped mixing them up we've you know when you run your rabbitry for years you in all areas all over the country all over the world it's always going to be different certain rabbits will sell certain colors will sell better than others and, you know, you come to the conclusion on this is what I want to specialize in because this is what pays the bills or this is what I enjoy. So we've we've gotten to that point where we know, you know, we want to stick to, to blue rabbits and red rabbits and, you know, our white rabbits with blue eyes. And so the videos that I upload on YouTube are pretty much whatever's going on with our rabbitry or whatever's going on with our apiary or, or whatever is happening with our deer hunting. You know, we have three different channels, the Rabbitry Center, Bobby's Bucks, and Bobby's Bees. And I'm passionate about all three of them. I don't handle my YouTube like a lot of other YouTubers and creators do. Okay, so we're going to break for our Rabbitry helpful product of the podcast. And today we're going to talk about some Rabbitry Hutch lights that I put up. Uh, They're really cool lights. I I liked them so much that... I put them on my hay shed, I put them around my garage, and this is going to help with chores going out there early in the dark or late at night. Also, it's going to help with predators if you put them on motion sensor, as well as just keeping them on all night. So they have three different settings where it'll stay bright, or it'll stay dim until you walk by it, and then it will brighten up, or it'll just um, stay off until you walk by and then it'll come on. So... Uh, pretty cool. They're 356 lumens. They're really small. They're only like six inches by four inches. They're super lightweight and they're, they have built-in batteries so uh, you don't have to plug them in or anything like that. So they're called Solar Outdoor Wall Light 2-Pack Super Bright. It doesn't say lumens but I I think that's what it means. It says 178 LED motion sensor security light with 270 degree wide angle and three modes, waterproof, solar powered wall light for patio, garden, garage, front door or in this case rabbitry hutch. So they have three different price packs and I've noticed this is kind of weird that the 6 pack which you should have the best deal it comes at $50 but it's 8.33 per light. But if you buy the 4 pack it's six seventy five per light, and you get the four-pack for 26 dollars The two-pack, you end up paying $7. It's weird how the six-pack is the most expensive. You should, you should, that should be the best deal. I ended up buying a two-pack. I, I liked them so much, I ended up buying another two-pack. So, super lightweight, pretty small, and uh, they work great. So, I have them on my shed, my rabbitry hutch, and my, my garage. So, uh, I'll just read a little bit of the the description Rusty's not here so probably not going to read all this but so it says comes with a built-in solar powered rechargeable battery our outdoor solar lights require no electric no extra electricity cost but being super energy saving and money saving these solar wall lights can keep lighting up to last for 8 to 10 hours at night after being fully charged now i've noticed that they stay lit all night and it's even in january with short days so i can only imagine in the summertime you know, it's getting, they're not gonna have any problem in addition I've adopted monocrystalline silicon solar cells and conversion rate of these solar motion sensors lights up to twenty point five percent so it basically holds at 178 lumens then when you walk by the bright setting is 356 lumens they're pretty bright little lights with upgraded PIR motion detector our solar outdoor lights detect motion up to 16 feet with an angle of 120 degrees What's more, these solar lights offer three light settings, and that's why I talked about how they it's a bright or it's a dim to bright, or then it's just off until you walk by it. Solar motion wall lights are designed as being waterproof, heat-resistant, and frost-resistant, which can withstand extreme weather conditions. Moreover, these solar floodlights are super easy to install, require no wires, which can save you from the hassle of electric electric wires. It's also portable and fixed easily at any place. That's what it says. Perfect outdoor motion sensor light for patio, garage, corridor, garden, yard, porch, terrace, fence, camping, or hay shed. In this example, you know, rabbitry, touch garage. So we proudly stand behind all of our products 100% to care every feedback of you and the satisfaction of our consumers. This is funny because it definitely was translated because the grammar is grammar. Not good. If you're walking out there in the middle of the night. Or really early in the morning like I do. I think I, on average, feed my rabbits about 4 a.m. So, and then I'm off to work jumping in the truck about 4.30. So, I need these lights. These are these are going to be a big help. I mean, I have my headlamp on too, but more light the better. Okay, back to the podcast. You know, I often get offers for collaborating on, you know, videos and, and to do this or that to, because it gets a lot of views or it's going to score really well with revenue. And, you know, I, I understand why people are doing that, and especially if that's their specialty to to make as much revenue as they can in YouTube. And, and it, well, that pays, and I get that. But that's not really where my heart is. I've never, and I want to say this correct, because I don't want to say that this is that's wrong or anything and people shouldn't do that, because if that's what you're passionate about... If you enjoy trying to make the the most perfect video and double down on what sells, I can understand that. But where my heart is, is teaching. I, I love to coach. I love to teach. I've coached my kids in baseball several different times, several, several different levels. I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid, you know, I was lucky enough to play on a team where we... Uh, beat everybody in Michigan and represented Michigan when I was 13 and went to the the regional World Series. and we didn't get past the regionals. We played Ohio,, um, Indiana, uh, where I think we lost to um, Illinois. It was called the Jackie Robinson League. Uh, just played really competitive baseball and enjoyed it. you know my, my dad was a diligent coach. My grandpa was a drill sergeant in the Army. It was a Mexican family and uh, my grandpa was from Texas and uh, he was always teaching. It didn't matter if it was baseball or if it was life or if it was just grilling a steak. He'd say, you want to know how to grill? Follow me. <laughs> he, was, he was awesome. And uh, I actually gave a eulogy at his at his funeral uh, a few years ago. Probably my favorite, hands down my favorite relative. And uh, you know, I, I definitely got the teaching bug from him. And he was absolutely one of the biggest influences I've ever had. I like to coach. I like to teach, you know, and and I want to be the best coach I can. And it doesn't matter if it's rabbitry or bees or, you know, hunting or life. I maybe talk to my two boys longer than I need to. And I may go on and on about this or that, but they're both great kids and I'm kind of getting off topic here, but that's where my heart is. I have these offers to collaborate with other channels um, because it's going to get views, or we'll cover this topic because of that, and I pass ninety percent of the time because you know that's that's not what I'm I, that's not why I do it. I do it I do this because I run, I enjoy running this business, and I enjoy helping folks get started. And not to say that there's anything wrong with you know doubling down on what's scoring well through your analytics or anything like that. I just, that's not why I do it. It's so easy to kind of veer off into the wrong direction. And pretty soon you're going down a road where it's going to start to feel like work. And, you know, I I want to follow my passion. And, you know, you could very easily go to a job, work the rest of your life, put away money in an IRA and retire at, you know, 68, 72, and, uh, and and have a very average good life. And there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people are doing that. But what I've learned is when you take chances in life and you, you bet on yourself and you invest in yourself, there's no better investment. Let's get back on topic though. So the other day I uh, went into the store and found out that uh, our store was bought out by another store and they, all of a sudden they had another shortage. And this is the stuff that we went through in COVID. And I kept calling, you know, every few days, like, did you get your Purina? Cause it's what we were selling 60% protein Purina. And they just was they weren't getting it. Luckily, uh, you know, due to our feed course, we had a lot of fresh food stockpiled and I was able to, I was able to actually feed our rabbits because they were on a program where they were eating our food and they were eating a small amount of pellet so I used to sell buckwheat, uh, which is a terrific pellet, and they had buckwheat, so I had to transition I went back and plus it was it was nuts where they actually the previous store charged more for buckwheat, and this store charges less, so it was a perfect time to to transition back to buckwheat and so we did a transitioning pellet video and basically went over how, um, you know, you want to transition these rabbits. If you can, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to transition this over a three week period, you know, that's good to do because they need to gradually rabbits are, you know, they have sensitive digestive systems. They need to gradually be introduced. So you don't have any negative results. You don't want these rabbits to get sick or worst case die. Now, if you're matching up a rabbit pellet that has the same fiber, same protein level, same fat content, you know, you can transition them quicker. I mean, in many cases, some folks transition them, you know, seven to 10 days. But if it's completely different, I recommend a three-week process. And what we went over was how it's basically 33% of the new pellet and 66% the original pellet that you're feeding week number one. So what does that mean? Basically broke down into a cup program where we're feeding a quarter cup of the original pellet and then we're feeding an eighth of a cup. And this is a medium-sized rabbit. You know, rabbits need five ounces per day. So this is going to equal right around, right around, um, you know, two thirds of a cup. It may get a little bit more um, only because when you're transitioning with a new pellet, some of it might be left over, you know, they, they may not like the taste of it. So, so what we do just to take you through the three week system really quickly is week number one, it's a quarter cup of pellet. So in week number one, we feed twice a day. We, we feed our rabbits every 12 hours, but week number two is the only time where we feed once a day because it makes the transition with the measuring system a little bit easier. We'll get to that though. So first I'll, I'll say week number one, it's, um, a quarter cup of the the original pellet and then it's an eighth of a cup of the new pellet and we'll do that every 12 hours. So again 12 hours later it's another quarter cup of the, the the pellet you're feeding and then an eighth of a cup of the new pellet. If you're only feeding once a day then you would just double that. So to make things easier on week number two you're just going to stick to a third of a cup of the pellet you've been feeding and then a third of a cup of the new pellet. You're going to feed once a day so it's perfectly matched. Week number three you're going to go back to week number one, except you're going to swap it. So the original pellet that you used to feed is now down to an eighth of a cup. And you're going to go back to feeding twice a day. So eighth of a cup of the, the old pellet and a quarter cup of the new pellet. And then 12 hours later, you're going to feed that again. So I hope that makes sense. But that's how we transition. In week number four, your rabbit's slowly been transitioned. you you're on to the new pellet now and that's how we transitioned our rabbits slowly all our rabbits were at at no point did we see any lethargic rabbits they were all hopping around and acted you know nuts how they act when you when you come out to feed them they're doing circles and jumping up against on the on the cage wire door and so after we uploaded our transitioning pellet video we uploaded a video talking about Colonies, free-range rabbits, and why rabbits are caged. This was one of our longer videos. I think it went nearly 20 minutes long, and I just share as much information as I can about raising pet rabbits, uh, raising them in habitat situations or open colony, and the risks. And you know why rabbits have been raised in cages for so long, and you know. Thousands of generations of domesticated rabbits are raised in cages for a reason. And, but I wanted to do a video that was non biased about, you know, raising them for pets and raising them open range and, you know, raising them in cages. I think the video turned out pretty good. The audio is a little messed up because I didn't run the microphone down in the, the podcast studio. I ended up taking the microphone from the camera. So it kind of came out a little what it's not as compressed it ended up being a pretty good video because it has a lot of stock footage and, and b-roll if you if you wanted to check it out it's colony or free ranging kindness or carelessness the response and the comments that came in they were it was from a lot of people that ran colony and and pet rabbit setups and it was it was overwhelming how just how cool everybody was. A lot of the comments came in um, regarding Roxy because Roxy passed last year, and that was really tough for us. I actually, you know, used used aluminum angle iron and rivets to to build the holder. But she she purchased this really cool tombstone with a picture of Roxy. You know, she was a good dog, and and uh, she, what was really special about Roxy was she talked like she. It was almost like you know, she would say hello and she would get she would get excited and she'd always open up her mouth and her tongue would come out and it would look like she was smiling. Um, especially when she would hike and take walks with you. It was it was hilarious. But uh but yeah, she would just like growl. She's just like a um, my brother used to own a German Shepherd and those are very vocal dogs too. They'll just be like, raw, 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 you know, and that's what that's what she did. It was just so neat. And a lot of times it she'd freak people out because they would come in and she'd say hello. And they were like, is your dog growling at me? And no, she's just saying hello. So she will absolutely be missed. And, and we're, you know, with our new baby Lincoln, um, we have our hands full and everything. you know, we've, we talked about maybe getting a new dog in the future one day, but boy, she'll really be tough to, I think we'll absolutely always compare our, our new dog. If we ever entertained that with Roxy, she was pretty tough to beat, but, um, so after that, we uh, uploaded a video on basically talks about social media and, you know, through through Facebook algorithm and, you know, everything that's come out about the way the internet works and, and basically, you know, a lot of the the negative things about posting on social media. And I, I made a video, I didn't really go into all the negatives. I just kind of talked about the positives about, you know, how you can use social media, to help your business or your rep, you know, posting your products and your services. And, you know, but there's a, there's an ugly truth to, to social media and the way that the algorithm works and, and, you know, they'll, they'll have these pop-ups on your, your computer and it will either make you happy or sad. And based on your reaction, you know, the, all this information is being pumped into the internet and all this, um, you know, the reaction of what you did or what you bought after that. And this intelligence is, incredible and they know if this video makes you sad you're going to go buy this from this company or if it makes you happy then you got excited and you went and you know bought a boat for an example or you know products for to do this or that and and it's you know that's the ugly truth and i'm not i'm not i didn't go into that i basically just talked about how you know don't be afraid to post Your products and services and be proud of it and be happy. And and you don't necessarily have to worry about, you know, smothering people and with, uh, with things that you're proud of, uh, or say, if you just got done creating a service, say you want to give tours, you know, perfect example. Say you, you've got your property dialed in, you have an entrance, you have an exit and you want to start charging $20 a ticket for monthly tours. You know, that's a terrific product, you know, for your, for your rabbitry. You can have about 10 to 20 people. Um, you can accumulate your funds. Maybe you can get to the point where, you know, I know people that charge a $100 a head and they, because it's not just a tour, it's a class and it's not just tours that you can run. Uh, you can also have a PowerPoint class where you, you sit folks down or you have a nice tent set up or you have a, a screen and some slides, walk them right through an hour or two hour PowerPoint. Um, heck, you could even make it go f- longer than that. And you make, you can make some good income explaining your system and getting people excited about running their own service or product or business. We used to do purchase process and package where we had folks show up, um, they'd buy a rabbit, we'd dispatch the rabbit, we'd uh, quarter the rabbit and package it for them. And that was really popular. It was it was time consuming. We no longer offer that service uh, because we're specializing in in other services. But these are very real products that can accumulate a lot of income for you. When you're excited about a product or a service, you absolutely should entertain posting it on your social media sites. And and we went into as far as like Facebook and Craigslist. How Craigslist is kind of uh, it's a pain in the butt to deal with all that all the scammers and and, uh you know all those you think you're talking to a person but you're really talking to a robot and it's like some sort of chat bot. Some of that intelligence is pretty impressive. You know, even on Facebook when folks try to reach out and I'm not on Facebook very often, you know, I stick to I stick to YouTube, I stick to my email and my website and because that is it's pretty overwhelming just to run that. And that sell more and sell fast video uh where I'm talking about you know, your products and your services and, you know, how I take pictures of rabbits using my cell phone. Because cell phones have, regardless if you have an iPhone or an Android, they, they have built-in Photoshop, which is pretty impressive. And then when you're done with that photo, you I simply email to um, an email that will actually take that sizable, you know, I think it's right, like right around five megabytes that will take that email. I think most emails do. I think Yahoo is kind of like, they don't email as big of files as say Outlook does or um, your your Gmail. But you know, you take that email, you download the email image and then you can put that on your video editing or you can simply just use your phone and upload using your phone. You don't even have to, to deal with all that. But I like to use uh, a video editing software on my computer. But that was the video where... I used a lot of B roll and I had a comment, uh, that's what I was talking about, how someone said, you know, I wish you'd just stick to your authentic B roll that you record in your, your property. You know, and I just would not be able to upload as many videos and just like, you know, I wouldn't be able to to be able even though I'm a musician, I wouldn't be able to record all my own music and use it for the background. I'm always trying to find the right song for the right mood. To get folks through the video, and I do the same thing with my B-roll. I have a lot of stock footage that I've recorded and and filed uh, with my hard drive and iCloud. But you know, I'm not able to actually find, like, say, an e-bike on a mountaintop uh, unless I were to go out there and record it myself. And time is just limited. And maybe one day I can take on more employees and and get more interns in here where I can entertain, spending more time, you know. Videoing and I always take that constructive criticism. I absolutely appreciate anybody who would take the time to comment, and it makes you better. Even sometimes when it's tough to hear, and and uh, you know, maybe some of them are a little bit more blunt than others, or they give it to you right between the eyes. You know, it's it's important because it makes you it makes you do better videos, do better podcasts, and. And I appreciate it. So, and thank you for listening. I'm going to wrap it up. I actually hear my voice going hoarse right now. So, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. If you guys have any questions or, or ideas for the podcast, you can reach out to the rabbitry center podcast at gmail.com, or you can reach me if you have any questions just about your rabbitry or, um, some questions about the course, some videos that you'd like to see, uh, we can add it to the course at bobby at the RabbitryCenter.com. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next podcast.